that you gave. You know, this is, this, is, uh, really, this is the second year that I have missed the opportunity to preach a lesson on that first Sunday of the new year. Uh, last year and this year as well. And so I hope you don't mind that I'm going to give you sort of this New Year's uh, themed sermon this morning, although it's the second Sunday of the year. And I appreciate Wes filling in for me uh, last week, and I know probably his theme was somewhat familiar uh, to you as well as sort of uh, getting us ready into the new year. But I promise it won't be the same lesson, but again, sort of along the same lines. But during this time of year, you know, there's that word that we hear often, resolutions, right? Resolutions. Uh, you really don't hear much of it outside of January, but in January, you hear it quite a lot. You know, many are resolving to do certain things, to, to maybe eat healthier, to maybe work out, right? Gym memberships. You go to a gym membership and you ask them, when do they sell the most memberships? It's this time of year because people are resolving to work out. Uh, or diet and nutrition information books and such. They're selling off the shelves right now because people are resolving to eat healthier and to work out more. Others, maybe your resolution this morning uh, is to be more financially sound. You say, I'm going to save more or I'm going to put more away or maybe I'm going to spend less. I'm going to go out to eat less this year. Um, or maybe you're going to save up for something special. But again, some people surround those resolutions around the, their financial situation. And the, then there's the ones that we've seen a lot lately of people saying, you know, I'm going to resolve to stay off my cell phone a little bit more this year. I'm going to stay off Facebook a little bit this year. And, you know, that's what's on our minds as adults. Have you ever asked a child what your New Year's resolution is? I was looking this up recently, and I found a sort of a comical uh, website that talked about some New Year's resolutions from, from children. And Harper, age five, says, this year I want to eat more candy, eat more tacos, and learn to ice skate. You know, that, that's a good resolution, right? Uh, some said, and I love this one, Tori, who was age eight, said, I want to pet every doggy that I can this year. Again, that's a great resolution. Uh, Gwen, who is age 12, says, my resolution is to be nicer to my little sister. Again, that's a great one. And then Jocelyn, age 7, says, I want to sleep more and eat more vegetables. And what sort of parent uh, can't help but love that resolution? Well, again, I don't know if you are a New Year's resolution type of person, uh, a maker or not. You know, some say, you know, my only resolution is to not make any resolutions at all. Or some will say, you know what, I'm not going to let a, a month in the year define how I'm going to live my life. But again, the idea behind New Year's resolutions, it's a noble thing, right? It's a promise to do something differently this year, hopefully for the better. But we all know that most of those resolutions sort of fizzle out uh, throughout the year. You, some people might not even make it to the end of January before they've you know, stopped going to the gym. You signed up for a one-year membership, but by January, you're not going back. And so you, but you're going to pay for it, right? Or, or maybe you're driving past McDonald's and, you know, oh, I'm going to get that Big Mac uh, this morning. And so you, you break that resolution or you get right back on your phone and uh, when you told yourself you wouldn't. Or even many won't bother to even start. You know, I also read this past week that less and less people are making New Year's resolutions. But regardless, when we take that into our uh, Christian consideration this morning, we all should resolve to fight for, for spiritual victories constantly. Do you remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, at the end of that letter? He says that we should test ourselves to see if we are in the faith. Examine ourselves, he says. 
Remember, Paul is not writing to non-Christians. But he's writing to the Christians at Corinth, and he's also applying that to all Christians, saying, you need to examine yourself, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. The idea of examining ourselves, you know, we do that every Sunday when we commune around this table here this morning. Uh, follow along with me as I read what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 26. Paul here, again, recording about the Lord's Supper, says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup... You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Paul's saying here in this passage that or excuse me, he's not saying that, you know, as I'm about to partake of the Lord's Supper and maybe I think of a, a transgression or a sin that I committed this past week that I shouldn't take the, the, the cup or eat the bread. That's not what he's saying at all. Because then who could partake, right? Because uh, we all sin and fall short. But what he's saying is as I am partaking of those emblems, I am reflecting on the cross. Uh, I'm ref- reflecting on that price paid for us I am examining myself in, in what I am doing in my life, and am I blatantly defying God's word? H- have I been, uh, uh, again, blatantly defying it? Again, he says, but a man must examine himself. And so this is what we're going to talk about this morning. As we examine our spiritual lives this morning, let's ask ourselves, what resolution would we make? Or what is the ultimate resolution? You know, again, I hope that some of you or many of you have made spiritual resolutions this year. Maybe it was to pray more. You know, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to you know, get down on my knees more often this year. Or I'm going to uh, give more to the church, whether it's financially or the time that I invest in the church. Or, or maybe you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to be at every service possible. Every time the door is open, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, I am going to be there worshiping with the saints. Or maybe your resolution is I'm going to reach out to people more. I'm going to be more evangelistic this year. I'm going to set a goal for myself to at least talk to one person this month about about and maybe invite them to church. And again, these are encouraging things, and I hope that you and I are doing these and making them and sticking to them. But here's what we might call this morning the ultimate resolution. And this is something that you and I, we need to renew every day. Well, why? Well, Solomon, in his ancient book, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, said, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. You know, we're probably more familiar with what Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 10, and that's really where we're going to be this morning in 1 John chapter 1 and chapter 2. He reminds uh, the readers there that, listen, if you say that you do not have sin in your life, that you don't commit sin, you are making God out to be a liar, he says. Father, I don't want to sin today or ever again. Is that a prayer that you've made? Can you make that prayer? I don't want to sin anymore. Now, regrettably, we know that uh, within the next 365 days, this next year, uh, we will yield to temptation. But what is our longing? What is our mindset? Is it, oh, well, I messed up, no big deal? 
Or is it, God, please cleanse me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're thinking this morning, that sounds like a great resolution. I want that to be my resolution. Where do I start? Do we know what fuels God-honoring desire? Friends, it is the scriptures. So if we really want to sin no more, then we ought to be in God's word like never before. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. Notice here the psalmist says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Note that last line in that verse. So that I may not sin against you. Right? Scripture, being in God's word, it counteracts sin. We should be in the word that I may not sin against you, he says. Again, flip with me to the first John chapter two. And again, this was what uh, Brenton just read for us in first John chapter two, starting in verse one. And we'll read this verse a couple of times this morning. But notice what the uh, the apostle here says. Again, he, he says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Our ultimate resolution this morning ought to be God's desire for us. John says, I am writing these things so that you may know and so that you may not sin. Clearly, what John is, uh, is informing us this morning, he's identifying the purpose of this letter. And John simply, uh, he's looking at sin and, and saying to us, don't sin. Well, what should we truly desire this morning? Because wait, I know, I know maybe some of you this morning are saying, wait, you just said that we all sin. But now you're saying we shouldn't. Flip with me, if you're still in 1 John, go back to chapter 1. And, and let's read verses 5 through 10. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Because John here is going to explain the matter about sin. And I love, love these verses. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, he records, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, the, the great theologian uh, Bernard Fife, you know, Barney Fife from um, the Andy Griffith show. You remember that episode where he, he, after listening to a sermon in Mayberry that one day, he said, you know, sin, that's just one subject you just can't talk enough about. And how uh, truer words were spoken uh, about that. Because from a Christian's perspective about sin, according to John in those passages, it's critical for us to understand uh, to be able to maintain that fellowship with God. Right? The, the aim in our lives should be no sin. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 12. The Apostle Paul here writes, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that uh, you obey its lusts. 
And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Paul also mentions in the Colossian letter, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Here's your mindset, Christians, he says. He says here, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... He's talking about, again, Christians, those who have been baptized into Christ and have been raised up. He says, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When we became Christians, as Paul says back in Romans chapter 6, we died to sin. It is no longer our aim to sin. But again, when we're back here in 1 John chapter 2, note what helps us. Again, note what helps us there in verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. The things John wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. God breathed words out through John in inspiration that I am writing these things to you so you may not sin. Again, going back to Psalm 119, uh, this time in verses 101 through 104, notice what the scriptures say. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourselves have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Scripture informs us. It informs us about sin, but not only that, it motivates us to fight against the flesh. Yes, we will sin. And that painful realization should not take away our deepest desire, our ultimate resolution this morning to never sin again. But you may ask again, but what if we do sin? See, John gives hope to God's children who may sin. And again, that's all of us. But again, focus in on that verse Uh, One in first John chapter two, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father. You know, notice notice what John is saying. We right. Uh, He's including himself in this. He's including the other apostles in this verse. He's including, you know, the apostle Paul. If anyone sins, he says, uh, who walk in the light. You know, John is not talking about those who are walking in darkness, but he's talking about those who are walking in the light. If we're making that sincere effort in our lives, according to God's standards, and if we confess our sins, as we just read in that verse, God is always, always willing to forgive us. You know, walking in the light does not mean that we are without sin. I know some people have the the notion that uh, as a Christian, uh, maybe you, you commit a sin and then all of a sudden you're out of God's grace. And so then you pray for forgiveness and then you're back in. And you keep going back and forth, back and forth all day long. Well, that's not how God's forgiveness works. He tells us there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, His blood continually cleanses us from those sins. If, if we walk in the light, if we are doing the best to follow in Jesus' footsteps, to, to, again, that's that mindset that we were talking about. And if that's the case, he says the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from those sins. 
Suppose, uh, let me tell you this story about, about this little boy. He, he sees his father is out mowing the lawn on a hot day, and his dad asks him for a cup of water. Right? And this little boy, he loves his dad so much that you know, he runs into the house, uh, he grabs a chair, and as he you know, pulls it across the kitchen floor, he sort of scratches up the floor, but he's determined to get to the other side of the kitchen to go get that glass for his father. And as he climbs up to reach his dad's favorite glass on that top uh, shelf, he knocks over a couple other glasses, right? And, and they fall to the floor and they shatter and break. But he's determined to get his father that drink of water. And so he goes to the fridge and he finds a, a gallon jug of water and he pulls it out of the fridge. And it's too heavy for him to lift, really. But he puts that glass on the floor. He turns the jug over and water's all over the place. There's probably more water on the floor than there is in that cup. And then he goes outside. He goes outside to his father, and as he goes to his father, within feet, feet of him, he trips, and that water falls, spills all over his father. Now, there's another little boy, and his father is out mowing the lawn, and his father asks for a cold drink of water. And this boy, you know, he might have just gotten punished a little while ago, and he's mad at his father, right? And he says, I'll show him. And so he goes into the house. He takes a chair and drags it defiantly across the floor, scratching up the floor. He doesn't care that those scratches are there. He climbs up that chair, gets into that shelf, knocks some glasses out of the way, doesn't care that they fall and break and glasses all over the floor. He gets that water jug out and he's just dumping it in there. Again, he doesn't care that water's spilling everywhere. And as he walks out to his dad to give him that glass of water, he deliberately throws it into his face. Well, you and I don't have to be parents to understand that there is a difference in those two boys. Now, their mistakes were the same, right? They, they both scratched up the floor. They both broke those glasses. They both dumped water all over the floor, and they both threw, or, uh, threw water onto their father. But surely, surely you wouldn't treat those two boys the same. Their mindsets were different, right? And neither does God. See, there is a difference in between the one who is doing their absolute best in following Jesus and the one who is high-handedly defiant towards God. There is a difference from the one who is walking in the light who sins and the one who is walking in darkness and sins. So finally this morning, let's just notice, let's, let's uh, leave on this note here this morning. What do we have? And again, we're going to focus uh, solely on this verse here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. And thankfully this morning, I can declare to you this morning, we have Jesus. We should not want to sin, but if and when we do, we have Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, let's read it again, starting in verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but for those of the whole world. I want us to notice these five things, these five points that uh, the Apostle John tells us uh, about Jesus here in these verses. And again, this should motivate us uh, because these are the benefits of being in Christ. And the first one, he says that Jesus, Jesus, you know what the name Jesus means? It means Savior. Remember all the way back in Matthew chapter 1 when the angels said, uh, you shall name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. Uh, he's their savior. You and I know that we need to be rescued uh, from the horrible consequences of the, our sins in the past. 
and the sins that we are going to likely commit in the future. Jesus, we're told, came into the world to save sinners. Jesus's mission in this world was to came, excuse me, to come and to seek and to save the lost. Jesus means savior. Also, we notice that he is Christ or the Christ. And I talked about this on a Wednesday night, our Bible class, that, you know, this isn't Jesus's last name, but this is a title. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ. You know, we, we often hear the word Messiah in the Old Testament and Christ in the New Testament. And they're synonymous. It means the anointed one or the chosen one. Well, in the Old Testament, there were individuals who were anointed, uh, specifically uh, prophets, priests, and kings. And Jesus in the New Testament is the only one, the only one to ever fill all three of these positions. Right? Jesus was, was a spokesman for God. He was a prophet. Jesus offered his blood for atonement. You know, he was a priest. And he also right now is reigning as king uh, at the right hand of God. Again, king. He is the anointed of God, the father, for this very purpose of saving us. And John reminds us that Jesus is the Christ. He's also our advocate we uh, read there just a minute ago. You know, that word is used five times uh, in the Bible, and it's translated most of the time as comforter. But it's, and, and it's always usually in reference to the Holy Spirit, except for in this instance here in 1 John chapter 2. You know, remember as the Holy Spirit came to aid the apostles, remember Jesus when he was still living in John chapter uh, 14 and John chapter 16 said, uh, there's going to be a time where I'm not going to be with you and I'm going to send my helper, my advocate to teach you all things and he's going to guide you into all truths. Well, so too, Jesus, according to John, is our advocate. He's our intercessor. He is our helper concerning our sins. He is advocating, interceding to the Father on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is our advocate. And he's also righteous. John mentions that he is righteous. The Lord never sinned and he, he always does what is right. Even when he's interceding for us and for our forgiveness, he is righteous. Even if we as Christians who ought to know better, he will still petition for mercy for us. Why? Because he's righteous. And finally, uh, and there's that big word that, uh, that we read there in uh, verse number two. He is our propitiation for our sins. Again, that's a big word, but oh, so powerful. Uh, that is he himself, the means by which our sins can be forgiven. Right? He is that sacrifice. He covered our sins. He took the penalty for us. Remember Romans chapter six, verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Our sins deserve death, but Jesus took our place. He satisfied those conditions because he was the ultimate, the perfect sacrifice, the ransom of our sins. He gave himself for us that we might escape divine wrath. And anyone, John says, anyone can have Jesus because he is the sacrifice for the whole world, right? for any of us, for anybody who desires to come to him. And that is some wonderful news that we have this morning. Again, that Jesus is Savior, that he is Christ, that he is our advocate, that he is righteous, and that he is our propitiation. And that's why, as John puts it here, and why he's writing to us, that we may not sin. This morning, what is your New Year's resolution? Again, is it exercising more? 
Is it easy, eating healthier? Is it less electronic time? Or maybe it's to pet more doggies or eat more tacos or be nicer to your sister. But I hope this lesson here this morning will encourage all of us to make a spiritual resolution. You know, maybe you need to write it on your mirror, as some people like to do. Maybe you need to make those sticky notes and put them all over your house. Put a reminder on your phone, whatever way. But here's an example. Write in red, in bold letters, in red, I have Jesus. Look at that daily. Look at it daily. Be thankful daily. I have Jesus. See, God appointed his righteous son to be our savior. And he responds to our most critical need with his blood. And when we daily read that reminder, I have Jesus, perhaps we'll also think about that ultimate resolution that I don't want to sin today or tomorrow or the next day. Sort of like that prayer Jesus taught us to say in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, do not lead us into temptation. But when I'm reading that, I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to do the things that put you onto the cross, Jesus. Or I'm doing something that God says, listen, I can't let you into heaven because you're practicing these things. I have Jesus. Dear Father, please fuel my disgust of evil. Help me love the truth. Help me do what is right. Help me accomplish good. And that is my ultimate resolution that I wanted to share with you this morning. This morning, as we offer the invitation, if anyone here this morning is ready to put Christ on in baptism, is ready to begin the new year as a new creation, a new creature, we would love the opportunity to assist you with that. We know the Bible says that we must hear God's word, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, repent of sin, confess Him as Lord, and then be baptized for the remission of our sins. And at that point, the Lord will add you to His church. Not my church, not your church, but to His church church and we would love the opportunity to assist you this morning or to study with you if that be your desire or this morning if you need the prayers of this congregation if you need the encouragement from the brothers and sisters here if you need to ask for forgiveness whatever your uh, need is to be made this is no better time to do that right now in front of your brothers and sisters who can uh, encourage you as well Uh, let us know as together we stand and sing